have another Latina leader for you to get to know the amazing Ileana Musa. Stay tuned. Yes, you are here. Bienvenida to the Her Dinero Matters podcast, a mixed language podcast hosted by me, Jen Hemphill, to help you become the reign of your money and love your dinero more. If you are needing some inspiration and encouragement at this very moment, you have come to the right place. Gracias por compartir este tiempo conmigo. Now let's jump in to today's Dose of Money Confidence. ¿Qué tal, Reina? How is it going? This is Jen Hemphill, your host, and I'm so thrilled to have you here listening and supporting us because I know you have a ton of choices to pick from, but you chose Her Dinero Matters, and I love it and I appreciate it. This week, we are continuing to highlight our Latina leaders or our Latinas in leadership positions. And we've got another phenomenal Latina for you to meet. Let me tell you about Ileana Musa. She is the co-head of international wealth management and the head of international banking and lending at Morgan Stanley. Ileana was recently named to the Girl Scouts National Board and sits on the corporate advisory boards of the Association of Latino Professionals for America, also known as ALFA, Florida International University Honors College, and the Cuban Heritage Collection at the University of Miami. In today's episode, you will learn the influence her father had, which led her to study finance and eventually her current leadership role, her suggestions for Latinas to improve their financial lives, as well as her advice for organizations to help improve the advancement of Latinas. Lista? Vamos a conocer this reina of her money. Bienvenida, Ileana, to the Her Dinero Matters podcast. I'm so thrilled to have you here. And what an honor, especially with the career trajectory that you have had and everything that you have accomplished. So welcome. Thank you, Jen. Muchísimas gracias. Buenas tardes. It's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me on your show. And um, I look forward to our conversation. Yes. We will start with going back in time. So if we can go back in time to maybe when you were a little girl or some point in your life that whether you saw, you witnessed, you heard something that really has had an impact on your perception of money. Sure. And I look for Latinos. I think it's a very important question because there are very strong cultural norms as it relates to money. For me, I grew up with a single mom who worked really hard, held multiple jobs, and anchored us on our work ethic and education, all with an eye on innovation, creativity, and seeing possibilities. But there was a lot of struggle. And so financially, it was all about getting by. There was a lot of conversation or time and energy invested in looking at the future and setting financial goals. It was very much about just today and the now. And so when we talk about living paycheck to paycheck, I have a full appreciation for what that's like because I experienced that growing up. And then as I grew older, I started to work at a very young age. At almost 17, I met my father 
I'm originally from Cuba. That's where I was born. And we ended up in the States. My father, unfortunately, had to stay behind. He served a prison term under the Castro regime. And so by the time I reunited with him, I was almost 17. I got to know him for the first time. He was an entrepreneur at heart. I had a business for many years before he was in prison, and he started his own business in the U.S. when he arrived. He was very financially savvy, self-taught, and he's the one that really instilled in me and influenced me to think about dollars and cents, not just in terms of present tense, but the future. And, you know, we talked about retirement, and we started to hone in on a lot of those skills, and it was remarkable to just have the opportunity to get his perspective and watch him in action. And that was a big influence in my life. I love that. Now you have an important role at Morgan Stanley. So where did your interest, you mentioned your father really had a huge influence in terms of money, entrepreneurship. So where did your interest come in with finances? It's an interesting story. I always wanted to be a dancer. Dance was my passion. (laughs) I did a lot of extracurricular activities growing up. My mom always wanted to keep us busy and dance is something I really enjoyed. And I was going to study dance. And when I met my father that I was looking at my undergraduate degree, I was starting to apply to universities. Again, he really influenced me to consider finance. I was great with numbers. And he said, why don't you major in finance and minor in dance? because you have a knack for numbers. And what if you want to open up your own business? What if you want to open up your own dance studio? And so he got me to think bigger about the possibilities if I had that business degree. So that was part one. Part two was growing up with a single mom and working at a very young age, you built a certain discipline about making sure you had enough to take care of the family and your immediate needs. And while there wasn't certainly enough for a roadmap or a formal budget, you did have a lot of rigor and resiliency in making sure that you could take care of your basic financial needs. And that stayed with me. And so I could get by on a very small budget. By the time I moved to New York, I that I started to apply some of these concepts that I had learned and I put a budget in place and I understood where my discretionary income was going. I always kept an eye on what are those basic needs that have to be met and then started to allocate for other things and longer term goals. But really, it was, again, my father, that entrepreneurial spirit and that discipline around having to be a self-starter and then pursuing my finance degree, all of that coming together in a way that I started to have a much bigger vision for the future and some of the changes I wanted to implement in terms of my financial roadmap. I love that. And you've been at Morgan Stanley for a bit. Has your career trajectory always been in finance since getting that degree? Yes. I've been at Morgan Stanley for three years. I co-head the international wealth management business, and I also head up international banking and lending. It's been an incredible journey. I love the company the culture, our values, leading with exceptional ideas is a value I really enjoy because it's all about bringing the right people to the table with an eye on doing the right thing for our clients. And that's when innovation really plays out in a way that allows you to scale and grow. And so it's been a lot of fun for me so far to do the work that I do and then also lend my talent to the community with the boards that I sit, the work that we do at Morgan Stanley on women 
on Latinx. And so it's really bringing my passion and my purpose together with what I do every day in my roles at Morgan Stanley. That's helping me amplify the effort and have a broader impact. And so by the time I moved to New York after graduate school, my father convinced me to then pursue my MBA, which I did. And then my husband and I moved to New York, what I thought would be a one-year stint, and we ended up staying for almost 15 years. But when I made that transition, I had been working in real estate sales while I was putting myself through school in Miami. And then I said, you know what, I'm going to give it a shot to break into private wealth management. And that's really when I you know, created a path, talked to a lot of people, met with a lot of recruiters. My resume didn't have the background nor the skills, but I made a lot of calls and uh, I connected with a lot of people until I found um, a recruiter that was willing to help me obtain a couple of interviews. And that's when I landed my first role with an international private bank. And that's how I started to learn the business. And then from there, I worked at other major firms, Chase, Manhattan Bank, which eventually became JP Morgan Chase, Bank of America, Merrill Lynch. So it led me on a path to be able to do more using my experience, all with an eye on leadership within the firms that I had the opportunity to work. Love that. Now, something that you said that really stuck out, I hope I heard it right. You mentioned that as you were applying, you mentioned something to the extent that you maybe you didn't have the skills, but you work with someone so that way you can create that presence and really have a strong presence when you went to interview and your resume. And I love that you mentioned that because it's so key because you and I know, and you listening at this very moment know that as women, we tend to look at these job descriptions. Nope, that's not me. Or I I can't do that. I'm not skilled at that. And you completely negate the fact that you are eligible for this role. But men, on the other hand, they'd okay, I might not be able to do that yet, (laughs) right? So I really love that you mentioned that and you share that because I think it's so important to really take into consideration that when we're looking for precisions or that we don't just discount ourselves because maybe we haven't had that experience right off. So thank you for sharing that. I've heard that. I'm like, you know, it is so important because Again, I, you know, I always tell the next gen, they probably don't remember the yellow pages. My mother's network was the yellow pages because every year we would wait for the new issue to come out and there wasn't anything we couldn't solve. And she would always lean in and start to call individuals to make connections, to solve for things. And so, you know, my mother used to always say, el no ya lo tienes, you know, lean in because you've got a 50% shot at getting a yes. Whereas if you decide to not do it for whatever reason, you're guaranteed a no. So lean in and go for it. And that served me really, really well. And when I transitioned to New York, that's what I did. And I made a lot of calls. I connected with a lot of folks, but I knew someone would take notice. And then the conversation was about transferable skills, the work ethic conversation in terms of contribution and impact, the track record in terms of being very results driven leadership qualities as it relates to bringing others along, all the things that I felt very strongly about that I could contribute in a way that stood out. And someone took notice and they hired me. And that's really how I broke into the business and the industry. And so your point is, if you're 60% ready and can prove that and have a very strong track record when you're in the door and you make your mark in the near term, you will learn everything else. 
it's a really important lesson because sometimes we overanalyze and uh, we get it in the way of ourselves. We definitely do. And when I heard that, I'm like, wait, I think I did did hear that. If I didn't, she'll correct me. (laughs) And it's not even when you're breaking into an industry. I would say whenever we're evaluating a new opportunity, we always sort of put that opportunity up against where we've been, what we've done. And so I'm a firm believer in risk-taking as it relates to the career and going for the next big role, the job you haven't done, the one that stretches you, knowing that potentially it may be what you anticipated, it may not, but making that decision much more objectively so that you go for that next big assignment. And I tell that next gen, you know, do that early because getting that exposure to those opportunities early in your career is very rewarding and also sets you up to be able to have more flexibility. I call it, you know, empowerment through choice. The more choices you have, the more empowered you are. Being able to pave a road for yourself that allows you to make your mark, take on bigger roles, more opportunities, greater responsibility allows you to pave new paths for those that are coming behind you. Love that. Now with your role at Morgan Stanley, what do you feel is the most, because it's a big job. It's a big job. What do you feel has been where you have most impact in terms of with your background and your skills? Because it's, again, it's a big role. It is a big role. And what I find, not just in this role, but throughout my career, Jen, that's made a big difference is the team. Mm. You know, and because I've lent my talent to many businesses over the years that have been startups or a new strategy, but there's always been an element of talent that's been critical to the strategy. And so I've had the opportunity to build teams and bring people together Mm -hmm. and rally behind a vision and collective goals. And so that's incredibly rewarding because we can have the best strategy, but without the people, we cannot execute. For me, I've always said that what gives us edge are the people that are aligned to that passion that we all work towards, that we win together, and that others have equal opportunities to develop, to grow, and to take on additional responsibilities and take on additional roles that they like to pursue. And so there's this you know, virtuous cycle that plays out when we get to bring others along. Mm -hmm. which in my current role, I couldn't do what I do without the people that I have the opportunity to collaborate with. They all care a great deal about our clients. They care a great deal about one another. And we all come to work every day with an immense sense of purpose. And I'll tell you, when you go through a year like 2020, it's been a remarkable year. Yeah. When everybody is working from, we're all working from our living rooms, our bedrooms. There's many more members in the household we've ever been accustomed to. And yet everybody puts in the time, the effort, the long hours to continue to stay focused on the business and the clients. And that's, you have a very loyal team as a result of them believing that you're in it together. And so for me, the people is a very, very big component of what we do. And the second one I would highlight for you is the culture, the company culture. I say who you get to work with and work for and being aligned in terms of what's important, your core values, as it relates to putting your clients first and leading with exceptional ideas. And we recently added one more value on diversity and inclusion Mm. and giving back in terms of, again, we all think bigger as it relates to the impact we can have, not just in the workplace, but in the communities that we serve. 
Morgan Stanley has, has given me the platform to amplify the work that I've always been passionate about and that I've done in the community as it relates to Latinos. And that's incredibly rewarding. I say the work-life integration is really important in being able to do more. And the company has allowed me to do that. And as a result, I get to lead this very dynamic business that's focused on clients that reside outside of the U.S. that have connectivity to the U.S. And it's also very culturally diverse. It's very rewarding. That is so beautiful. And I love that at your company that they have... It sounds like, and and I'm not there to work, but it just sounds like besides the values that really align with yours, that they take a look at you and the people that work there and seeing what their interests are with, for you, the Latinx community is important and how you can be of help within your role, it seems like, which I think is beautiful. Yes. And we always describe it as a large firm that feels very, very small. Mm. We're a global firm. We have a very strong brand, but day to day, it feels very small. And so that enables you to collaborate and bring the right people to the table and share your ideas and new ideas for that matter. And it's great. It really is because you're part of helping the firm figure out what the future should Mm -hmm. look like in terms of your clients, your community, your employees, and play a very direct role in advancing that agenda. Right. This episode is brought to you by Financially Strong Latina La Membresia. Imagine having a space of like-minded mujeres to lean on for support, accountability, and to get those dinero questions answered. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. Have that and more with Financially Strong Latina La Membresia. You can check out the details of this monthly membership at jenhimphill.com forward slash membership. Tell anybody I told you. We also have a private members only podcast in addition to all the wonderful benefits you get with this membership. So go check it out. And one of the things that I've read about you is your mission. And in what I read, it said that it's to help the next generation of Latinos achieve financial independence and equity in half the time it took the last one. So tell us a little bit about why this is your mission and how do you go about in fulfilling the mission? Because that is huge. That is a huge mission. It's not, it's not just, hey, I'll get this done tomorrow. <laughs> Yes, it's a marathon with, I say, a lot of sprints in between. When we think about, I always say, if we reflect on our lessons and our opportunities, and if we're able to share those lessons and best practices with the next generation in a way that they can take it much earlier on their journey and use it very productively, then I think over time, we all grow. Mm -hmm. But it's, I always talk about things that I learned throughout my career think we all do. For the Latino community, we have very strong cultural norms, very strong family values. 
we believe and represent a very strong work ethic. Mm-hmm. And I say that goes along with the need to build a network, build very strong relationships outside of your own community, outside of your own family. So casting a much wider net, thinking about negotiations. How do you negotiate your first job, your salary, things that you don't pay attention to that really make a difference over the long term? And then you couple that with the demographic across the U.S. And there are so many trends as it relates to Latino representation across the U.S. that we have to pay attention to this cohort across every industry sector. If we think about growing the U.S. economy, Latinos have to play a very important role, generate the growth without them. And then if we think about Latinas, they're 9% of the population, and by 2060, they'll be 13%. For the whole cohort, it's a very young cohort, average age of 19 for Latinas versus 45 for white women. So you have all of these trends coming together in a way that you have a lot of the workforce being supported, Latinos coming into the workforce. My vision is how do we get those Latinos, as soon as they start to earn income, to think about their financial roadmap so they could put Mm -hmm. their money to work so they could be disciplined in terms of the allocation, not just the savings, but the investing, thinking about student debt and the Mm -hmm. equation that plays. It's really thinking about a framework that allows anybody in any industry, whether you are in business or not, you can absolutely master the skills necessary to start early, do it often, in terms of meeting your commitments against your financial plan. And then that allows you to become financially independent over time. And then ultimately leave your legacy as it relates to the things you really care about that you can put your wealth to work. And so what I tell everybody is you don't need an inheritance to start. For many of us, we are it in terms of changing the future, but it can be done. It can be done with the tool set and the rigor and the discipline and taking very basic steps. I am a believer and I spend a lot of my time helping that next gen to your question on, you know, how do you do it? I always say that when we mentor, we have the formal relationships and then a lot of informal interactions. Mm -hmm. So I make myself available to those that need it. I do a lot of work with students. I'm at Florida International University. I sit on their advisory board. And so we do a lot of work to expose the students to wealth management, expose the students to financial services so that as they're making the decision on their career, they can factor in what it could be like to work in this field because in many instances, it's misunderstood, especially for women. So that's one. And then the other one is I sit on the board of the Girl Scouts. And part of my interest in doing that is, again, when we think about starting earlier, think about starting with girls. At a very young age, like my daughter, Annabella, she's eight years old. We have conversations about money. We have conversations about what it means to save and the flexibility that gives you. And while she may not understand all of those concepts, it's just the practice and building the muscle memory so she can make good decisions as she grows up. That's so good. Mentorship, just being out there. And I think some of us and Latinos are those listening because I've got listeners who are here learn listeners that are really into their finances, they're gun help, but what is 
common amongst them is sometimes they just lack confidence. So they may think, yes, this is great. I would love to mentor, but am I good enough to mentor? (laughs) And I say, absolutely. Yes. Start where you're at. Right. And you do. And I always, when I coach, when I, with my clients or when I speak is about getting them aware of and acknowledging their strengths, because we just don't tend to do that, especially our money strengths. What are we good at? We focus so much on our flaws or the things that we do wrong with money. But I think it's really acknowledging the things that we do well and just having that confidence that, yes, you can make a difference (laughs) in someone's life. Now, one of the things that I've been hearing about or hearing constantly amongst Latinos is creating that generational wealth. Like that has been, I don't know if you've noticed that the past year, I've just heard it more, or maybe I've been listening for it. You know, you hear it once. It's like when you buy a new car and all of a sudden you see that same car like multiple times, but talk to us about generational wealth. Do you see amongst the Latinx community, the perception of it changing? Because when we think about building wealth or at least with the Latinos that I've spoken to, they it defaults to, and I think is changing to investing in real estate, right? When there's other ways to build wealth. So have you seen that that is changing in terms of building wealth and just the importance of creating generational wealth? Or, I mean, I guess that we don't have to pressure ourselves depending on what time in our life we're living if we're older, right? But I asked you a whole lot. <laughs> so I'll just... Listen, look, I, first of all, we need to talk money. It starts with getting comfortable, just folding in money into conversation as we do with many other things, you know, around the kitchen table and when you're having dinner and with your girlfriends, if, you know, I tell Latinas all the time, we need to fold this into the conversation. And so really it takes one person to start to drive that change. I I'm grateful. I had the opportunity to play that role to have those conversations with my siblings and, you know, certainly with my father, with my mother, the next gen, you know, my nieces and nephews to get everybody to pay attention and think about this resource. I call it a trapped resource that we need to unleash to put it to work for us. It's a gift to be able to do it. And it's also a responsibility. And so the first thing is just having a very positive relationship with money and understanding that even if you didn't grow up in an environment where that was the case, you have the ability to lean in and develop a more positive relationship once you understand the power for good. And so that's number one. The second thing is we need to become financially literate. And it doesn't take a whole lot to do that as it relates to whatever your sources are that you're reading to understand how do you create a budget, having line of sight into starting with, again, the initial step around Understanding how you're spending your money is the first step. You know, when I got to New York, that's the first thing I did. I put everything pen to paper. You'll be surprised at everything you learn. Once it's in black and white, it's never what you think it is. I'll tell you that. You know, you always think you're spending less on things you shouldn't be spending. And you always think you're saving more than what you're saving. So you need to be just truthful about your baseline, where you are, and then build it from there. The savings aspect, I think too often we wait to have significantly more income before we start saving. And we need to save at all levels at all time. 
Even when I had my first job, again, I built that discipline. Even if it was just 10% of what I was making was very small, but it was a discipline around doing mm-hmm. it. And over time, then you get into compound interest, which is you're earning money on the money. It is magical. <laughs> and so all of these concepts work together to get you on your way. And then to your point, the question is, and okay, how do you then start to invest? Is it real estate? Because it's hard assets. The first thing I did, Jen, was buy a home. Mm. I wanted to buy a home. I saved, I'll never forget my first $12,000 to go buy a home. And the reason I did that is because I moved around a lot with my mother, a single mom of three, because we didn't have a home. And so to me, it was really important home ownership to be able to do that for my mom at the time. And then to your point, then there's other things to be done from an investment standpoint. And you don't have to do this alone. You can work with an advisor. Some folks like to do it alone, but there's a lot of resources out there in terms of how to put your money to work across different buckets that allow you at an aggregate to generate income over time and then be able to build your wealth. And my last point on this is don't let what the last generation did discourage you from what you can do. Because I have learned firsthand that you can put things in motion, build a plan, and it all builds on itself. And over time, it really does make a difference so that you can accumulate that generational wealth so that you can start thinking about how are you going to leave it to the next generation? It is such a new concept for many of us Latinos because that wasn't done with us. And so it's a foreign concept to now think, and it's a gift to be able to do that. Right. And I think a part of it too, that I've seen, and I've been guilty of, because I think in our culture, tenemos que agradecer lo que tenemos y estar contentos con lo que tenemos, right? We have to just be happy with that. And that limits us. Conforme. Yes. Yeah. That limits us. And I think we just have to give ourselves the permission to think bigger and welcome a wealth that it is okay to make more money. It's okay to build wealth that we don't need to have this guilt around that because I know I had that guilt of, oh my goodness, we've got more money and maybe I should just be grateful and just stop there. Right. And I think we're doing not just ourselves, but, you know, the further generations, our kids, our family, a disservice. And we were setting the example as well, just allowing other people to see us flourish is, is not a bad thing. And sometimes if you don't have the confidence to do it for yourself, because it goes against the grain as it relates to your cultural norms, I find that it gets a lot easier when you focus on others. Right. Because when you start to think about your financial roadmap to become financially independent, but you think about it through the lens of the impact you can have on others, mm-hmm. whether it's education, scholarship program, you know, creating an endowment to be able to align that wealth to the causes you care about and change people's lives. Right. This is what I talk about all the time. Once you anchor someone else on the possibility of changing other people's lives, then it starts to click in terms of, oh, I get it. That's mm-hmm. actually something really good. And I get to control it and make a difference. And sometimes, again, we have to sort of get out of our own way and not evaluate that opportunity in terms of wealth creation as it relates to us having more privilege and the guilt that goes along with that. Mm-hmm. Because I think culturally there's guilt that goes along with that and leaning in and understanding you can have broad impact 
better choices, not just for you, but for so many other people. And I think that that then propels folks to do even want to do it because we deserve it. And the other thing I'll share with you, Jen, is one of the best things that I've learned from is as part of my network, talking to people that have done this, have done this their whole life, it comes it's second nature to them because it's what they saw growing up. It's what over many generations they've done. They've done it very successfully and have had very positive impact. And so when you think about your network, I always say Latinos, we're very collaborative. It's one of the best things that we do. We bring others, but make sure your network's very diverse. Learn from others that think very differently to you that have been on that path that you're striving to, because they're going to open your eyes to the way to think about this in a way that's much more positive. And again, that will reinforce as you put yourself on your own path to drive that change, which sometimes may feel uncomfortable. That is so beautifully said, Ileana. This has been such an amazing conversation. I have learned so much and thank you so much for your leadership, everything that you're doing at Morgan Stanley, not just you know at Morgan Stanley, but what you're doing for our community as a whole with your advocacy and everything. So thank you so much for being here and for your time. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me to spend time with you, Jen, and congratulations to you for your work and your oh, Thank you. Thank you so much. you enjoyed today's conversation with Ileana. I think she just has such a wealth of experience and a wealth of knowledge. And she also works in the finance industry. So that wealth pun uh, was not really intended, but it worked out, right? <laughs> so I really hope that you enjoyed that. And I'm curious to know what your thoughts on today's conversation What are your thoughts? What kind of other questions would you have had or would you have wanted me to ask Ileana? Because as you're listening, you're thinking, yeah, yeah, I'm enjoying this. Oh, Jen didn't ask her this. Why didn't she ask her this? I'm dying to know about this. I want to know about that. Share with me. What else would you have asked? What are your thoughts on today's conversation? What would you add if you were the a third person in this conversation? What would you have added to this conversation? I'd love to hear from you. Also, if you aren't already following us on the podcast platform that you listen to us, go ahead and do so. There's either a follow button, a plus button, whatever it may be. Go ahead and do that. And we'd love it if you give us a review. I know if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, you can review it there. But if you don't, there are options. You can go to Podchaser and there is a link in the show notes or you can just go to jenhemphill.com forward slash Podchaser. Reviews will help us and it will help us in the sense of there are so many podcasts to listen to right? And you sharing your honest review will help someone that hasn't listened, heard the Neto Matters, make a decision whether they want to tune in or not. So your reviews are extremely helpful and we would be grateful if you do that. Next week, we are continuing that conversation with another Latina in a leadership position in that corporate world. And we will meet Jackie Verdes, who is the director of the U.S. Hispanic Market at Zero. That is it. 
Eso es todo. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to tune into today's show. You can check out the show notes over at jenhempel.com forward slash 266. Remember that being the reina of your money starts now simply by claiming it. I believe in you and so should you. If you love this podcast, love this episode, I would love it if you share it with someone you care about. You never know what exactly that person is going through. And the simple act of sharing can change the direction of their financial life for the better. Bueno, pues, that is everything. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. Ciao.